Netflix book club. Netflix book club. Yeah, I'm not doing this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Netflix book club. My name is Dennis Rooney. I'm, I'm sitting s- here with my friend. Steve McDonald. Steve McDonald. going to step all over me. All over. As I come in. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, let's start again. No, 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 Go keep I going. I got to leave it in now? Yeah, you got to leave it in there I got to leave it in. For the realism start of the over. audience. We are sitting here with a stand-up comedian. What else do you do, Mike? Yeah, that's it. Is a stand-up comedian, Mike Tui. Hey. Just got passed at a club last night, ladies wow, and gentlemen. Inside Whoa. Info. Inside, inside info. Big deal. We won't say what club, inside but it, it's baseball. very, it's very funny. Yankees um, fan, or at least a fan of hats. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming uh, down to semi-Brooklyn. Uh, today we're talking about a Netflix original film, Unicorn Store. This might be our first Netflix original film. No, I don't think so. No, we watched at least one Netflix original documentary. Winter on Fire, I think, was a Netflix original documentary. I can't remember all the movies we've done. It, it was a lot, a long time ago. Um, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Unicorn Store, like Talking Heads. It's not the Unicorn Store. It's not the Talking Heads. It's just Unicorn Store. That's a good point. One sec. Let me look at my, keep talking. Yeah, about check that out. Um, but I hit up Mike to be on the podcast and he was. Yeah, there's uh, no the. And no the, just Unicorn Store. Mike was nice enough to come on the podcast. I gave him a choice of two films <laughs> and I was not hoping for this one. And I didn't think he would pick this one, but it was between Triple Frontier, also a Netflix original, Ben Affleck vehicle, something action, I don't know. And this movie, Unicorn Star, which we will get into in great detail. But before we do, Mike, how come you didn't pick Triple Frontier, man? Right off the bat, I'm not into Ben Affleck. I've gotten too many times in my life. You know who you look like? And it's one of these things that it's like, I'm so sick and tired of this guy. People tell you you look like Ben Affleck? Rooney, I get a lot of people. And you're sick of it? I get a lot of people. He's the most annoying one to get. Because who, who gives a shit about... You know what? Ben Affleck looks like me. <laughs> all right? First off. First of all, you do not look like Ben Affleck, flat thank you, out. Thank you for like, that. I don't, take the hat off for a I mean, second. I, might, uh, I think it's a, from this side uh, of the face. I think it's a right profile. Dude, it's a, my, you're just a white guy. That's just a white guy. Just a yeah, white guy. you might just be a white guy. that other movie. You white, you Ben Affleck. That's you white, you Ben Affleck? Yeah. What movie is that? That does That's, sound familiar. The one with Paul Rudd and the kids. Oh, okay. A Judd Apatow film, probably. Maybe. Superbad. Superbad? Role models. More importantly, though, Ben Affleck, good-looking guy. Why would that annoy you that people say that you look like him? That's just the thing that annoys me because I get a lot of different people, and I get it often, and it's like, I don't fucking... Out of all the people you get, Ben Affleck... You're just angry because all you get is Rosie O'Donnell. Oh! Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) And I've also... I feel like I've gotten Ben Affleck in my skinnier days, (laughs) but as I've gotten uh, bigger, yes, I've definitely gotten Rosie But he's coming back now. You guys are getting Rosie or... (laughs) Big Ben, Big Ben. He w- he went away at all? No, he's gonna get. He's getting fatter. Oh, is he getting fatter? I'll tell you the truth. Why I didn't pick the movie? I mentioned it to my roommate. Did you want to see more artistic than like picking Triple Frontier? Some I action. M- I mentioned it to my roommate, and he goes, "Oh yeah, he dies in that one." And I was like, "You fucking kidding me?" He well, go- now you just well, yeah, fucking you just ruined it for us and our listeners. For me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're not gonna do Triple. You Frontier. know, I'm pretty okay <laughs> with that. I did not want to watch that. Wow. Movie. Well, this is how I felt, and I said, well, I guess it's Unicorn Store. Before we go any further, Netflix Book Club does not 
support spoilers. Uh, this was purely accidental. Mike is going to be reprimanded <laughs> post-podcast for this. We're going to beat him during the break. <laughs> We're actually recording this Avengers weekend, which could also be like end of Game of Thrones weekend. It's like spoiler alert weekend. Like I've avoided social yeah. media. I've done everything I can to not see <laughs> stuff. And then I come into a podcast with some close friends. Do you want me to ruin Endgame for you? Do not ruin Endgame for you. I, I will walk out on this podcast. I don't even want... Here's what Snape I Snape kills Dumbledore. My, did I ever tell you? All right, listen. I was reading that Harry Potter book in Ireland on a family vacation. I was three pages away from Snape killing Dumbledore. My brother turns around. Snape kills Dumbledore. Oh, that's amazing. I still haven't forgiven him for it. Man. And here's the thing with non-spoilers. People do like the joke where it's like, oh, so-and-so dies at the end. And they're like, no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't tell you. But it's like, you have seen it. Now you're si- now I know that doesn't happen, or at least I suspect it yeah, doesn't happen. It's worse. I don't want you playing with my yeah. mind. That's you know what, what I mean? said. He goes, well, you don't know when it happens. I said, I can't sit and watch this movie now. Yeah, it doesn't the matter. The entire thing is now, when does he die? People are awful, man. How he does. It's the worst. Your roommate's a fucking asshole. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. I mean, I would also point out that you just <laughs> told us, so like you're an asshole too. Well, that's the story. That is of true. I thought we were allowed to ruin some, and no one's gonna watch that other movie. It's a vicious cycle. No one's watching that movie, man. I don't know. I don't think anybody's watching it either. Yeah. Uh, that was that was the the image for that movie was the was the image online for an article that was why does Netflix keep bragging about millions of people watching their terrible movies? <laughs> and I was like, that's a solid. Yeah, that's Solid exactly dig. what the That's actually something like. I want to get into later in the episode is that this movie, Unicorn Store, and probably Triple Frontier are through and through. Like, this is a Netflix movie, which I want to get into later. But yeah. before we do, Mike, give me a really brief synopsis off the top of your head of this movie. What is Unicorn Store oh, about? Oh, man, we've never made the person do it. No spoilers. No spoilers. What's it about? No spoilers? What's it about? I mean, no, like, yeah, don't tell us what happens in the end, but tell us about Unicorn Store. Written and directed, uh, or at least directed and starring Brie Larson. I don't think she wrote she it. She didn't write it. No? No. You know, it's a millennial story about following <laughs> your dreams. <laughs> and, I mean, without saying any details, although the details of what's real and what isn't, it's a lot of metaphors. I, I don't know how much I'm supposed to give here. You could say, go ahead. It's a tough movie to describe also because of the, like, what was real and what wasn't and what really how does that even affect it? How does that even matter? You can you could take the movie different ways. Okay. Steve, you want to give a crack at it? <laughs> <laughs> um Brie Larson is uh is a creative artist who wants to live out her dreams of having a unicorn. So Brie Larson is a uh student artist who fails out of school, goes back to live home with her parents and is trying to figure out her life. It's a coming of age tale. All of a sudden, she's hit with some magical realism where some dude is like, I want you to buy this unicorn. I have a unicorn all for you. And the movie kind of takes off from there about her trying to get her life together so that she's adult enough to own a unicorn. Yeah. You know, like most movies that you hear about nowadays. Mike, (laughs) stream it or don't stream it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You could stream this movie. Stream this movie? Yeah. Okay. Why? Okay. You know, but I'm coming from... It was... It looks like it's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then it doesn't really suck that bad. So uh, you go ahead and stream that one. Are you looking at me? I'm going to say, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll go first. I'm going to say don't stream this movie. Uh, I also agree with you where like I watched the trailer for it. I watched the trailer for it weeks ago and I was like, this movie's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you said that we had to watch it, <laughs> I was like, this movie's probably still going to suck. And it doesn't suck. But in my opinion, it's not a very good movie. It's definitely, uh, it's got the feel of someone in Hollywood where, it, like, where it's like Brie Larson is like, 
this is the movie I want to make, and I've always wanted to make this movie for a long time, and I just worked with Samuel L. Jackson so I can get him in it, and that's a big name. And Netflix is a medium now where we can make these kind of weird niche movies that don't fit in other genres. I didn't like this movie that much. It was a... Brie Larson carried it, but it wasn't worth it in the end to me. Steven. Uh, I'm going to go with Stream It. Uh, I, uh, I liked it. Ugh. I thought it was... <laughs> I thought it was really cute and fun. Yeah, you did like you did think it was cute, didn't I you? I did. I thought it was cute and fun. Um we'll get into it after the uh after the break. Let's hit the break. So we're gonna hit the break now. Be right back. You have come to the store, kit. And I am the salesman. Behold, we sell what you need. Unicorns? That was the only thing I ever wanted. If I have one brought here, I have to know that you're for real. <sighs> I've made a decision. I'm building a home worthy of a unicorn. I'm thinking something like a stable. I don't think a pony wants to live in your basement. And we're back. Okay. So, unicorn store. What's your problem with cute, adorable? Like, what's your problem? First of all... What's your problem with cute, adorable? In any sense... You heartless, soulless <laughs> bastard. There's something about glitter that both in real life and even seeing it in film makes me very squeamish and anxious. Like, uh, it just gets everywhere, you know? It's also... I feel like glitter's really used a lot in, like... Uh, uh, this probably, I mean, this makes me sound more dumb than usual, probably, but like, I feel like queer culture, like throwing glitter on yourself and like wearing stuff that like your grandma would wear, that uh-huh. sort of shit gives me anxiety for some reason. Uh-huh. And also, just the idea of like putting it on your house and then leaving and coming home and like there's glitter everywhere and you've got a trail of glitter and it's all over your clothes. And uh, Brie Larson is just constantly covered in glitter in this film. At one point, her the soles of her feet are covered in glitter. Her parents make one comment about it, and that annoyed me. Because that would immediately be like, yo, you're 30 years old. You just moved back with us. Like, you can't be walking around with fucking glitter all over your feet. Yeah. Uh, the opening scene of her, like, doing presumably her, I don't know, her final project for art or whatever. Everyone else yeah, is doing, like, black of, and white some stuff. Some kind of thesis or something like that. Yeah, and sh- her thing is just all pastel colors. And, again, she's blowing glitter on the wall. She looks very unprofessional because she's co- she looks like David Bowie. Like, her face is completely smeared yeah. with paint. Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, it, she looks like I Z- do I do love any movie where the person has paint on their face from being a painter. And I have these moments with it where I look at the person's face and I'm like, and I'm like, did you just paint your face? Yeah. Because like I've painted before and I've ended up with paint on my face. And usually it's like I had some on my hands and I wiped my brow. Yeah. It's that kind of smear. Yeah. You got some on your how temple. Did you, yeah, how did you get? I'm sure All painters watched paint. this opening scene and were like, well, this is just overplayed. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, this is unrealistic. This is ridiculous. Yeah. This is what people um, think painters look like and painters don't look like I that. just took that scene to mean another, like, here are the gatekeepers and then here is the person who has to yeah. believe in their yeah. dream. And that was, and that's the whole thing. It was like, in the end, wait, am I, what am I allowed to say now? Now, now you, you can, can say, say whatever anything. you want. Okay. So there is a unicorn in this movie. Oh, this is a real, yeah. And that yeah. was a big concern for me. I'm like, if there's not some, if I don't see a fucking unicorn by the end of this film, you know I, what was, I mean? I was real worried. <laughs> right? I was real worried. <laughs> so 
you know, and but then like, was it real? Did it? But and does it even matter, or is it just a symbolism thing? It's like you have to believe in yourself. That's why I said it was very millennial. I felt like it's very like you got to be you go go and find yourself. And I mean, go I feel like it's it. kind of the age old tale of like you don't have to follow social norms and you should pursue what you want to pursue. But like, it also has a thing of where you you do have to be an adult though. I mean, the whole point of her getting the unicorn was yeah. like she has to. Make sure she's got her family life sorted out and she's happy and she's healthy and she's responsible and all this shit. But so which is it, though? Be an artist and be feckless and follow your dreams or like settle things with your family and eat. Well, no, I think that I mean, like like my my takeaway from it, which is kind of how I feel about a lot of like. Like, I really, truly hate the kind of, like, millennial, millennial, millennial. Like, millennials don't have this. They don't have that. They don't They don't act this way. They don't act that way. Is The reality is, is that it's, like, you know, compared to a lot of the, like, like the work ethic behind and, like, what millennials have had to go through when it comes to work life, it, the reality is, is that it's, like, is that it's, like, baby boomers never had it so fucking good. Like... Like in the sense that's like they ne- they like they had it so fucking easy. They you went to college, you got out of school. There was an economy that actually existed. There was there was not a gig economy. You didn't have you had almost no technology. There were multiple sectors that were about to move forward. There hadn't been manufacturing that had been shipped off to other countries. There hadn't been automation that had destroyed entire sectors of industries. If you weren't able to go to college, there were jobs in all of these different sectors that you didn't need to have specialized skills for, and you were able to make good money. Housing costs were lower. Loan rates were lower. Like, people's lives things were, were different. Be- things were very, very yeah. different. And no glitter. Never saw glitter back in the day. Well, and so it's one of these things. It's like that's or parents, like, like the parents in this movie. It's, yeah, that's true. it's just one of these things where it's like I like you know like I work in a creative field and I have worked my ass off on different stuff and it's one of these moments where it's like where I look at certain I look at certain people where they're like you know oh well millennials don't have good work ethic and I'm like that's nice. Were you around for my hundred and twenty hour week? Yeah, like. Were you around for my unpaid internship? Were you around for my unpaid internship? Were you around for my eight dollars and fifty cents an hour to be the video department for an entire company that was owned by a guy that was sixty five years old who paid me nothing because he knew he could get away with it? Yeah. Like, no, you got out of school and you got a job in your field immediately and you worked there for thirty years and made a shitload of money and screwed over everybody else so like there's a little bit of this movie where it's like millennials are just all up in space is that it's like no like and you can see that in the main in the virgil lead guy is that it's like is that it's like not like he's just a guy like the idea that there's not that like like i don't see this as a millennial movie i see this very much as like it's a coming of age story of a very singular person and i think one of the things as being somebody who's creative and being somebody who like in all respects is like a very weird human um, I I really look at it as one of these things. It's like I'm allowed to be weird and have artistic pursuits and have all of these other things and simultaneously understand what a 401k is and right. understand what like understand like how to buy a house and like have car insurance and have health care and all these different things. You don't necessarily have to be like, Francis from Francis Ha. Huh? Yeah, where like, it's like. We did that movie on the pilot. It's like this flighty Brooklyn girl. Same thing. She wants to be a dancer. It's not working out. I'm kind of sick of watching these fucking movies, man. <laughs> well, people. no, and it's like, it's, I mean, 
part of it is is that it's like you know the 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 question with this one is is this thing of like to me i think the underlying thing of this movie is is like what is it like to be somebody who takes risks what is it to be somebody i feel like risk taking is not an understanding who you are as a person like it's one of these things where it's like like I see the generational gap in that they're trying to like lay out in this movie of that it's like younger people are like this and older people are like this, but there's a there's there's a problem that I have with the entire thing that's like that's like you know oh well young people are just you know they're flighty and they want to run around and do all these different things is that I have this moment where I'm like nah it, it, where I'm like yeah we we do want to do those things because our parents' generation predominantly didn't do any of that stuff, had a nervous breakdown at 40, got divorced, yeah. bought a Corvette, did this other, like, like you know, flew off to wherever with their mistress. Like, it's almost that moment where it's like, yeah, maybe I just don't want to do the thing that you did, and maybe it's just different. You do hear about that a lot, the whole, like, the parents, like, I worked so hard so you didn't have to do the things that I did. And then it's like, how come you're not doing the things that I did? Yeah. It's like, I thought this was the whole point, and I was able to pursue glitter, and pastel colors because you also didn't the, this is what I thought was weird though see because I, I I feel what you're saying Mike and you're going even more so Stephen about the generational like differences between yeah. them but the parents uh, Kit's parents didn't feel that like baby boomer generation ish they just felt like almost like new wave supportive parents you know what I mean yeah but at the same time they just you know she well, kind of uh, Brie Larson's character almost at times really is kind of like bratty where they're just being supportive and nice and everything they do it's like stop it leave me alone i'm just trying to let me do my thing you know meanwhile you just moved back in with your parents house it's like yeah do some dishes or something yeah those parents it was a caricature i feel like a lot of these things in the movie were sort of like yeah it was yeah. that indie film it's like well these are just these aren't real the characters right. aren't the whole film developed. didn't feel the like only one who felt real. the only right. one who felt like a real ish person was Virgil. I thought the guy who sent Kit to Virgil originally, he felt the <laughs> most real to me in the film. Yeah, okay, I give you that. <laughs> Brie, L- Brie Larson goes up to the dude in the hardware store and is like, hey, I need to build something. Can you help me? And he's like, uh, no. Go talk to that dude over <laughs> no, there. No, uh, right. Virgil will help you. Yeah, Virgil will help you. Also, to be noted, just a small thing, the name Kit constantly sounds like Kid in the film. So it sounds uh-huh. like people are saying to her, Kid, listen, and like kind of like treating yeah. her like a child, you know? But I don't know, Mike. What do you think? Because you seem to be setting the symbolism and the metaphors of the film. What do you think the fucking store was? What do you think the salesman is supposed to be? What does the unicorn represent? I think that it's all a bunch of bullshit. You know what I'm saying here? I just I like the fact they get we got to see a unicorn. I like that too. Yeah. You know, I wish that she actually wrote it or someone else saw it to to make it a little bit like, all right, it's real, it existed. Well, Virgil saw it. I mean, like, I think that's one of the. Did he though? I no, mean, Virgil definitely no, saw Virgil it. Virgil definitely the end, saw right? it at the end. He comes in and then it's no longer there. I mean, if he didn't see it, it's now a movie about a guy who's seducing a woman who he knows is mentally ill, <laughs> and like <laughs> and like using that. In no, his Virgil. Virgil definitely saw the unicorn at the very end of the movie when when he's standing with her with the unicorn. Right. Yeah. And, and then they go outside. So the unicorn is what realizing your purpose. I don't know, man. I'm asking you. <laughs> I, I no mean, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe something in that vein, like because it's this constant. She'll start getting her life together a little bit, and then she gets the phone call again, 
And it's like, oh, yeah. there's a little bit more progress on the other side. Right. And she has to keep coming back, and then she gets it in the end. And, and But then having the unicorn isn't what's important. She saw it. Yeah. So it's like, is that just committing to the whatever, the purpose of your life or something? And then you don't actually need the... You know, it, it know. wasn't about being with a unicorn because then this other woman shows up and it's like, no, it's her time. And she said she's like, she needs it more than I do. Right. And I'm like, needs what? <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah. I think I think what's more like what I think is like that that moment that they had. I thought the sweetest, nicest little moment that they had in the movie was when when Virgil finished the unicorn stable. And then she comes in, and it's all of her artwork, and it's all of her stuff, and it's all of these different things. Yeah, she threw the stuff out. And she had thrown all of it yeah. out. Is that it's kind of this, like, to me, it's one of the, like, the metaphor behind all of that is, is that it's like, you don't have to throw away all of your dreams. You don't have to throw away all of these things to grow up. You can actually keep them. And look at them as assets, and look at them as what what make you you. It's a make it's work an art gallery of my life. Is yeah. one of the lines that she says in the movie, and I think that's to me that's one of those things. that's like you don't have to like hold on to this idea of this thing you wanted when you were a child. You just have to live your life and and enjoy yourself and be comfortable with yourself as who you are, and be able to look at yourself as like. As as basically just okay, like that's the thing that I saw with the movie is is that it's like nobody in the movie seems like they're like that like nothing amazing is gonna happen to any of these people. It's it's just they're just okay. They're just okay. Yeah. Like I'm gonna be okay. That's it's like kind of like what I felt like came from the movie, and it's I'm gonna be okay with my parents. I'm gonna be okay with my life i'm going to be okay with my job situation i'm going to be okay with my relationships i'm just going to be okay and not just that like i'm going to be okay but like it already is okay there's one of my yeah, favorite scenes in the movie okay. was uh, this whole time is a uh, kit goes with her parents who work as emotional support counselors something like that with kids who've been you know troubled kids maybe abused whatever and uh kit finds out that like all these kids are lying during the sharing circle yeah. they're all supposed to be sharing personal stories and they're all just kind of like bullshitting and the parents are like yeah we know it's because these kids have been through horrible things. It's like we're just here to try to like help them a little bit in any way. They're like these kids have done such have had such horrible things happen to them that like they almost have to create these other realities because facing what's happened to them is too harsh. And then they kind of look at their daughter and they're like, "Has anything like that ever happened to you?" Like w- almost like a moment where it's like, "What the fuck are you crying about?" You know what yeah. I mean? Like much more nicely and being like, "Hey, just be happy for what you have." Like you know, you all in all, things are pretty good. I know you feel bad right now. You just moved back home, kicked out of school, blah, blah, blah. You're not sure where you're going with your life. But, like, you're still doing pretty decently in yeah. the grand scheme. Well, I think that that's, I mean, like, that is a thing that I try to, like, I liked that a lot. But I also think that, like, this movie is a good example of, like, we all, there's a there's a thing that Michael J. Fox wrote about in his in his book Lucky Man that I always try to like think and live by and stuff like that. You've read uh, Michael J. You read Michael J. Fox's book. I read both of Michael J. Fox's books. Is um, he really? I don't even know. I had no idea he had books. He's got two books. Uh, he might have three by now. I have no idea. What What are they um, about? The first one is about getting diagnosed with Parkinson's, and the other one is about optimism. 
The third one's a sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> romantic <laughs> comedy. <laughs> <The third laughs> <one's a> sci- <laughs> but uh, but he says something in it where people talk about. He talks about how lucky he is that he got Parkinson's, and people are like, "What are you talking about?" Or like, "Lucky he is to have the life that he has." And uh, and one of the things that he talks about is is that if everybody that you knew took everything good that ever happened, like if you sat around a table with everybody you knew. And they took everything good that uh, that has ever happened to them and they set it in front of them. But they also took everything bad that they had and set it in front of them. And you could swap lives with any person at the table, but you had to take all of the good and you had to take all of the bad. You would just take your own shit back because you'd be like, well, I'm lucky to have what I've got. Like, yeah. like I don't want that other, I don't want that bad thing. The I just want the good know. things. I just want the good things that everybody else has. I don't want to have to deal with all the bad things that they also had to go through to either get them or that they've had to deal with or anything like that. And so the thing is, is that it's like when I look at this movie, it's one of those moments where it's like with that campfire thing is that it's like, you know, her struggle is her struggle is very real to her and she should have some understanding that other people's struggles are harder or whatever. But like that struggle that she's going through is her own struggle that she's going to have to live through. Yeah. And it's important for everybody to to live through those struggles. And I think that uh, Joan Cusack makes that point when they're talking and kind of making up about everything and it uh and she's talking about the fact that it's like the best thing in life to do is to fail at something you really care about that scene at the coffee table it was so lofty i don't know and you that scene or the whole movie well in in general i guess the whole movie but even that scene where the parents finally become like real way more real characters because up Mm -hmm. to that point First off, they were the funniest part of the movie. Yeah, for me, like, great chemistry oh, as God, parents. Yes. Those those two great chemistry is. I could watch Bradley Whitford, whose yes. dad, do anything. Uh, yeah, exactly. So the two of them, like that's the only parts I was really laughing at. They kept me, uh-huh. they kept me interested. The love interest could not care less. Even Samuel L. Jackson, I'm like, I don't. There's a pool table in here. I just don't get it. <laughs> there's a piece of hay on the ground. It's supposed to mean something to somebody. I don't care. That's, that Samuel. I'm sorry. That Samuel L. Jackson part. Was one of these moments where it's like he's been known and talked about the fact that like like why does he do snakes on a plane? Why does he do like deep blue sea? Why yeah. does he do all these different things? And he he has always said that the reason he does those types of movies is because he does movies he wanted to see when he was a kid. So like snakes on a plane that sounds hel- like hilarious <laughs> and crazy. Yeah. I'm gonna do it. Like I'm in. Yeah. And this uh, and like now I feel like he's at a place where like he just looks at something and. Because he pops up in d- in movies all over the place, yeah. For like roles that are very much like, like you're in you're in this room, there you're in this one room, <laughs> and you've got a lot of talking to do, and not much else. Yeah, I thought. And it's one of those things where he's like, "Can he's I like, wear a purple suit?" Well, no. And it's like he's crazy in it, or he has an accent, or he's got some weird thing that he's doing, or it's like a funky character. And he literally has this career now where he's just like, yeah, I'll hop onto your movie for f- for three days. Yeah. Like, I'll come into the movie for three days and play some character and run away and do whatever I want because he he can do whatever he wants at this point. And when he wants, like, a meatier, crazier character, he's like, hey, Quentin Tarantino, can I please have a, right. like, like, what do you got for me? I imagine that Brie Larson made Captain Marvel because all that filming was done probably, like, a year or two ago, right before the movie came out, and oh, yeah. she struck up a friendship with Samuel L. Jackson. I'm sure Absolutely. this movie took uh, like uh, that's gotta be. And then she's like, "Hey Sam, will you be in my small little movie that I've wanted to make since I was 16 years old?" Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, motherfucker, let's do this." You know, uh, <laughs> <I could> <laughs> <laughs> Is that an impression of Samuel Jackson. That's my yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> um, here, I got a question. Okay, so uh, the love interest in this film, 
opposite Brie Larson is a, uh, a character called Virgil. Snooze. Snooze. <laughs> Who cares? That guy this is nothing, that guy. That's actually kind of what I want to ask. And uh, uh, the actor's name is Mamadou Athi. Mamadou Athi. I'm terrible with names. So I'm I pretty sure it's Mamadou Athi. He was uh, also the Irish uh, guy? love interest in Patty Cakes. This dude's going to get typecast as playing the love interest opposite white women. I'm calling it right now. It's already been in two <laughs> movies. Is he just the good guy? The good he's boyfriend like the, guy? He's like the good weirdo who's kind of objective and then become like way too supportive almost mm-hmm. in both movies. Especially this one. Like at one point he's like, no, I like you. And it's like, okay, even if you like her, it's like you got to be grounded in reality. You barely know this girl. You've only known her for a little while. She's hired you to do work around the house. It's like maybe you don't say you are like falling for her when she's talking about something that makes her sound mentally unstable. That's just my opinion. But yeah. besides that, serious question to both of you guys. I know you've probably only seen him in this movie. Is he a good actor or is he just like sound good? Cause he's got a really great deep voice. I feel like he's very, like he delivers lines well, but like ultimately he feels like he's acting the entire movie. I don't know if this is the movie to judge that because it's, you said before based in reality. It's Noth- like nothing of this movie is based on <laughs> reality. No, no part of it. Well, it's like magical realism because it's the thing like, so a unicorn exists, but if you want to get one, it's going to be a lot of paperwork, a lot of red tape. You know, it's going to cost you, but you can get one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really liked him as like a reasonable foil to her. Yeah. Because she was so off the wall. Um... I liked that, you know, one of the things which we've talked about on this podcast a number of times is the, uh, is Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah. And is there like stable, principled, regular guy syndrome too? Is that a thing? No, I think that like, uh, like, cause I sat and I was thinking about it and I was like, is, is she his Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Right. Like, is she the one who's uprooting his life to make it crazy and different or like, like, but we're just following the manic pixie dream girl in this movie rather than him. Yeah. And like the the scene that made me the scene that made me believe or willing to believe, like, okay, you're falling for her. Like, and it was it was a very simple scene was when they're riding in the car on the way to get the hay. They're riding oh, in the car. Yeah. And it's not magical and it's not real and they might be going to do something a little weird but they're not doing something crazy like they're driving somewhere and they're cute and they're singing and they're fun and that was the most reasonable kind of moment for him to like actually like her he must have really had feelings for her because if you asked me to drive with you to go pick up hay somewhere like what have you ever been like pulled into a relationship early on and just immediately start being put to work? Has that ever happened? <laughs> Cuz like I'm not saying it's happened to me. You just see me. But I'm such a selfish I'm such a selfish bastard that like I'm watching this film and I'm like this has to be where they break up, right? Cuz he's like this is my Saturday. I work at a fucking hardware store. You dragging me around to go pick up hay for a unicorn like this this character more the more I think about this character the more I'm like he was taking advantage of a young girl who was troubled. I love that I love that your problem with this relationship is 
that he had to do manual labor. Well, she never <laughs> asks really about his life. She's never like, so what makes you tick? You know, she's like, you're no, and that that is one of those things that's like that's like he is not a well developed character. Nah, he's not. And it's it's problematic on that end. It's it's really I think like the the stuff that's really the stuff that's really interesting about it, which like. It's that question that's like, are we as an audience member, like, what ride are we supposed to be going on in this movie? Um, I decided to take the the idea that like, almost as a viewer, we are with we are in her head. She's not noticing that all this. It's almost like Five Hundred Days of Summer, where it's like initially you're like. Oh my god, this terrible thing happened to this guy. And then at the end of the movie you find out you kind of realize like, oh no, like this guy put a lot of expectations on a relationship that wasn't working out. Right. Kind of thing is that it's almost like like she's so self-centered in the way that she's reacting to everything around her. She's so um in her own magical place that she can't even realize any of the things that are happening. And it's one thing if we as a viewer, like, in the film can't realize that also. Like, we can't realize all of these different things. It's almost like we're going yeah. on her ride rather than being a third party watching what's happening and being able to make our own decisions of, like, oh, my God, she's not noticing. That goes back to, like, what Mike was saying where nothing in the movie feels real. Yeah. You know what I mean, if, if there was a scene in the beginning of the film that almost showed, like, what she saw happening compared to what really happened, and then we can go through the rest of the movie with that lens of, like, all right, we're really seeing this through her eyes. But yeah. And, and going back to that, Mike, you did say stream this movie, and I feel like you're very unhappy yeah, you with this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you exactly why. One was the first... It looks like it's going to suck, and it doesn't suck that badly. Two, it wasn't that long of a movie. It kept it moving. I think it was 90 minutes. Yeah, you got to like a 90-minute film. I always uh, say that. I really like the mom and dad. They made me laugh. Like There was actually some funny lines. It's not a funny uh-huh. movie overall, but that was pretty good. And they showed me the unicorn. If in the end they didn't show me any unicorn, I would never tell anyone Were you to impressed with the unicorn? I was just happy to see one. Just happy to see it one. Was you know, it's pretty much just a horse with a horn. It right? was a I mean, horse with a horn. That's exactly what not. I wanted too. It wasn't full of glitter. It wasn't pink. It was white, I guess, or ever. What was that? Effervescent. <laughs> it was like it, I don't know what it was. I, I you know what color was it? Silver. I, I think it was white. It was white. White. It's, uh, it's, I think it's like a polar bear's fur, where it just kind of it's like translucent. Clear. Yeah, it's right. translucent. Yeah. So okay, it just light. You know, so that was that was fine. I you know uh, what about the we didn't talk we didn't talk about the scene in the um, boardroom. Oh god! Yeah, one of the funniest lines comes from first off the boss, who was interesting the whole movie, very creepy, very. And what do you have to say, this guy? Yeah, yeah. whoever that one was. That and was he just a hell of a talk character. to me about the lingerie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> about the other guy's pitch, and I was like, you know what? That got me too. I like that. <laughs> that and was just a good line. shit over her whole because they really set that up like she's gonna do a presentation. There's glitter everywhere. Yeah. Dennis is having an anxiety Total attack. Total anxiety attack. And it's like yeah. with the vacuum is somehow gonna like she's gonna she's gonna win the yeah. pitch. She's gonna make a, yeah. a new career. And it's like no no no. It's still just the gatekeepers. Yeah. It's still just the we're not going to do this, honey. That type was like of a thing. that was like the only environment in the film that did feel set in reality was the office. Even though there were some of the most yeah. obs- like a weirdest characters were in the office. Yeah, again, just the flattest characters of all time. Like the guys yeah. who even given the pitch. Like yeah, that was so. 
so ridiculously a caricature of uh-huh. the oh this is the old establishment advertising yeah. guys the it's sexy a, woman with a vacuum with a vacuum and a baby so what more I think we want yeah <laughs> I think we're done here yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I I I had a moment with that scene where they were like she pitched and the first thought that I had when they walked into the when they came into the pitch room was that I was like oh this is with a client. Like that, because like I've done advertising stuff right. before, and the thing is, is that when they were setting everything up, I thought it was like the internal PR team, okay. like she was going to be pitching to the boss, and the moment that it was like, no, the client is there, I'm like, oh, this is going to go terrible. <laughs> like this is going to go absolutely yeah. horrible. Um, While she was doing her shtick, though, I still felt like it was up in the air, up in the air, where I was like, this could go either way. They could love it. Did you think you knew like automatically it wasn't going to go over? Or? Oh, I knew it was going to be terrible. Yeah, because like she was well prepared. There was no way. There was well, no way that it was. How did the happen. UPS guy get dragged into that? That I was another no character where it's like she's just plucking characters for her own use along the way. Yeah, I didn't really like her character, Kit. She was she was kind of manic pixie dreamer. She was a little one. She's not likable. She's she's not like she wasn't likable. Well, that was see. That's the only thing is is that it's like she's adorable. Yeah, but she's not likable. And is kind of like, and I think it's one of the things that's like, that is not really like. That's true. I liked looking at her, but I didn't like her as a. Mm. Yeah. And like her character was, it was, it was cute how everything was going about. And it was kind of cute how it was like, she's not recognizing signs from all these different places. Um, very Kimmy Schmidt vibes with her. Yeah, it where it's almost a, like she doesn't a, realize like, where she is all the time. Yeah, it had a very like Arrested Development kind of like not the show but like the term, and like just not not adult in a very like you know like there's one thing to be like I'm not adult I don't have I don't I'm not I failed out of school I don't have money I don't have a job. It's another thing to be like, I'm not adult. I don't recognize adult social cues. Yeah. And and I don't recognize adult, like, relationships and stuff like that. And I think that was kind of the, like, like, that was adorable to kind of see where it's almost this naive, you know, piece of sunshine personality. Mm. Um but I don't really feel like she had, like, for the growth that she had in the movie, I don't really feel like she had that much growth. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't feel that different at the end than towards the beginning. Because what is it? What is the unicorn? What was it all about? Was it about just becoming, like, just being loving yourself before you can kind of throw yourself out into the world? I saw more of it as yeah. a believing a purpose, finding a purpose for yourself. Yeah. Maybe I, the unicorn see, is whatever you need it to be. Right. I think I think I first off think that's really what it's supposed to be is that it's like I hate that. <laughs> well no, because Samuel L. Jackson says <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson says we like what store is this? That's we have true. what you need. Yeah. And like what she needed was to was to feel comfortable with herself and her own life. And by the end of the movie she does. What would be your store, Steven? What do you need? Oh Jesus. Um, can't be a unicorn. And Mike, you're next, so start thinking. Did you get the feeling when Samuel oh L. Jackson kept showing the like little piece of hair 
that that was sort of just the thing that he wanted to do. On set. the actor? Yeah. I'll be in your film, Brie Larson, under one condition. It was just like, you know what would be a great idea if I just had a little piece in its love? The string is love, man. It's like it had nothing to do with any other part. And she already believed that unicorns existed her whole life. It's like, no, just touch it. Just touch it. I just love that he keeps he keeps bringing up dead unicorns. It's like, where'd you get this hair from? And it's like, it's from a unicorn that didn't get love. Yeah. Where'd this horn come from? Well, what happens to unicorns when they don't find a friend? Is that it's like, Jesus Christ. There's a lot like, of rules for unicorns. <laughs> yes, that's true, too. Well, no, and I kind of loved, I mean, like, I loved that kind of thing to it. I loved that it was real and that there was a sense of it that was like, that was like, if other people believe you, they can see it too. Um, and the fact that there was the turn of that it was like the guy is that like Virgil didn't believe and didn't see it and then did believe and did. And so like I feel like that's one of those things where it's like sh- where it's this moment of like if you believe in yourself and this thing enough and you love yourself enough other people will see that and and be a part of your life with it. And I, mean, I feel like that's what like the like the meta the full metaphor kind of thing of the movie is is that it's like believe in yourself, love yourself, and the people around you that do believe in you and love you are the ones who are important. Yeah, they'll be able to see your vision. They'll be able to not even like see your vision, but like see, but like, but like, just love you for who you are. Right. I want to have a unicorn. Okay, I love you. Like, I get yeah. it. It's that's fine. Too understanding for me. Too lovey-dovey. I think you should uh, set <laughs> well, no, and that's realistic. Why I, that's why I found it to be very cute and very and and very fun along the way. And then there were just moments in it where it was like, I keep coming back in my head to Bradley Whitford when they find all the shit in the basement. And Bradley Whitford just sits there and goes, I'm holding the hay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, that was, I just, like, I lost it. Because yeah. I was just like, that's such an amazing line and delivery to be holding hay and just be like, I'm holding the hay. I'm holding the <laughs> hay. What's going on? <laughs> like, we're going to talk about I'm this. I'm here. I also yeah. liked, we're not, like, the end of that where he's like, where she's like, I'm not going to schedule a meeting to talk about this with you. And he's like, he's like, we won't, but we're going to talk about it on Monday. <laughs> but like, Monday is when we're going to talk about it. Um, overall, I'm going to stick with my original conclusion of don't stream. I still think there's better movies out there with the same messages and, you know, the, fire certain parts of my brain the way this movie did but uh to a greater degree but i will say this too is that uh it is an interesting movie it's a unique movie and one of the interesting things about netflix making all these original films now is that we're getting different movies than like the nine movies we get from hollywood and theaters all the time yeah you know what i mean like this movie would not have made it to like full country release you know what i mean like this might have been released on like you know a couple hundred like maybe a couple hundred screens or something like that but it wouldn't be huge and uh you know i don't think it would probably have the budget like when netflix makes these movies now they don't have to put any money into promotion and shit like that they can make these smaller scale movies and uh that wouldn't really have a chance of getting made or at least not getting made and shown on such a wide scale but that doesn't mean these movies are always going to be good. Yeah, that's true. That's what I'm thinking. Like I'm I'm rating it on a scale that says, well, for this type of a movie, yeah. It wasn't bad. Right. But yeah, overall, I would never want to watch this movie necessarily. Yeah. But for this, like when you look at it and I said, "No, this is going to be hot yeah. garbage." 
And it's like, nah, you know what? Just this is a good movie to have in your back pocket. Regular garbage. You're talking to a girl at well, a bar. And I, she's like, what was the last movie you saw? And you're like, Unicorn Story. <laughs> she's like, oh my God. I would have pegged you for Triple Frontier. <laughs> um, but yeah. Fuck you, because I look like Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. No, I think like I think the thing that I really like the thing that drew me to this movie and that I kind of love and like I I am drawn to a lot. I'm drawn to enjoying this type of movie is there was something that, that like when I start, first started making movies in like when I was in like sixth grade or something like that, I wanted to make like actiony movies. I wanted to make, you know, like. Steven Spielberg big like these these grand ideas of big movies and I still have a lot of that stuff that's like in my hip pocket of what I want to do but I remember my mom saying to me one time uh, where it's just one of those mom things that stuck in my head was that she was like she was like I don't understand why you can't just make like a nice little story that's a nice little movie like it's just like why does it have to be this gigantic big huge thing and I'm always I'm always kind of marveled personally when I watch movies that are like oh that was a nice little movie and I feel like that's what this was is that it very much was just like uh, like a nice little movie yeah and it wasn't it's not trying to be anything other than a nice little movie it's not trying to like you know and there are some movies that are nice little movies that I feel like get like like they end up at another level of success and another level of like, wow, that's really amazing. Like a movie I think about with that is like Little Miss Sunshine. Right. Where it's like Little Miss Sunshine is a nice little movie about a family. And it's got a lot deeper roots. It's got a lot more that happens. There's a lot more that just exists. But it's like a nice little movie about a family. And I feel like this, it's kind of the same thing where it's like, this is just a nice little movie about a lady and her family. And that's about it. And all the magical realism and all of that is just the creativity that they decided to inject into that kind of a story. And so I'm a bit of a sucker for this type of a movie. Like, right. th- anything that's just like, yeah, it's just a nice little movie. And, because I think that's literally what I said when I finished it. Like, I just looked at, I looked at the screen, I was like, oh, that was a nice little movie. Yeah. And nice little movie. I've got <laughs> <laughs> <You guys> such, <laughs> such disdain, <laughs> such disdain. Well, no, and I think that you're right about I think you're right about Netflix of having all of these options and different things. I think that one of the things that is much more difficult now that we've got we as consumers have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and you know. Disney's coming out with a thing and Warner Brothers is going to come out with a thing and like everybody's got a streaming platform now. And if you really look at like Roku, my friend's got a Roku and it's like there are channels I didn't know existed. Yeah. Just like whole swaths of just like, yeah, we're a streaming network and I'm like, who are you? Right. Like, what is this? We're starting our own streaming and network actually as well. We probably should. Yeah. And uh, it's just going to be, it's going to link to Netflix. Um, <laughs> that's how we do it. But we, uh, like when I was, like when I look at that, the thing is, and I think that Netflix struggles with this a lot, is uh, is there's there's a lot of opportunity to make stuff right now. And uh, and sometimes it needed another draft. 
Sometimes it shouldn't have been greenlit. You know what, though? And if, if you had a company that every month received a check for, like, I don't know, a billion dollars. No, I know. Like, I'd just be throwing ridiculous. money at people, too. Like, yeah, make a unicorn store movie. Go <laughs> no, ahead. And, they're, and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that it's just, like, this really is one of those things where it's, like, um, I think it's really interesting to see when somebody gets the opportunity to make a movie because like who wh- like this was a Brie like this is what Brie Larson I said it during the movie to my friend when I was watching it where I was like where I was like she, Brie Larson just seems like she's fun to hang out with yeah like like Brie Larson not the character in the right, movie Brie but I like I bet Brie Larson's just like a fun nice person the thing she and brings to her role I've only seen her I think in like Captain Marvel and this movie yeah but you can tell the way she delivers certain lines that it's probably written towards her like that it's like what she's bringing to these roles from herself, it's like they're enjoyable aspects of a personality. Yeah, she could swing the bat. You yeah, know what I mean. And and that was and that was my that was my feeling with the movie was just it's just like it was very interesting to see like oh you got the opportunity to direct something and this is what you chose like your star power for being in Marvel stuff being in other things that you've been in the vehicle that you decided to to be like, oh, I want to direct something for the first time, was this, and I'm going to act in it so that it gets made, and I'm going to get Samuel L. Jackson so that it gets made, and I I looked at it, and I was like, that's really, like, like this is a very cute story to choose as your first, like, what you want to do. To bring up something like Ben Affleck, it becomes one of those things where it's like, Ben Affleck gets his first swing at the bat of wanting to direct, and he does Gone Baby Gone, and it's right. like, it's a great movie, it's, it's really good, but, like, he wants to do this like gritty yeah. thrillery like thing and he's kept that up in his career and so it's interesting to me to see like I wonder what Brie Larson wants to do next what she'll do next if this kind of like joy happy thing is what she chose first can I make next. a proposal for Brie Larson's next project yeah Pegasus pop-up <laughs> <laughs> Mike any last words uh, this guy made me really like this girl. <laughs> 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 I'm going to follow her on Instagram or something. I, I never saw the whatever Marvel. I, I Cat don't, Marvel. Yeah, sure. I, so I didn't know her from anything before then. I didn't know she directed it either. I guess I should have done a little more research, but... Listen, watch the movie. I don't know. You know, I'm not getting paid to say this. This was a great pick for Mike because literally I'm driving on the way over here today and I'm like... Me and Mike are such regular ass dudes <laughs> <laughs> that like I know we're gonna have a lot of like yeah I don't know it was a unicorn store like <laughs> what did it mean I don't I don't know that's not why I, I don't watch movies to figure them out all right I watch movies to be entertained but yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna I stick do, with I do love that and it was one of the first thought that I, thoughts that I had when we were talking about stuff and I'm gonna circle back with this is that uh, I think it is hilarious whenever I talk to whenever these kind of stories come around and I'm talking to stand-up comedians about it because there is always a sense of like, oh, fuck these artistic kids and their goddamn dreams. Yep. And simultaneously, <laughs> yep. you're saying that from the position of like, of like, oh. all I want to do is be a stand-up oh, comedian 100%. On I watch, like, I watch like that you movie. you are this person. The you unicorn just don't paint. is stand-up yeah. comedy. Like 100, I was like, that's yeah. clearly, and I don't even know how to see it in a different way. Right. So, yeah, 100%. Yep. Just less glitter. Microphones instead <laughs> of glitter. Yeah. Um, Mike, anything you want to plug? Your your Instagram, your Twitter, any shows coming up? This might not be out for a couple weeks, but if you got something, <laughs> some, if you got something big in the yeah. summer, I don't know. Oh, okay, then no. 
<laughs> nothing? Twitter handle? Nothing? Okay, fine. Uh, Twitter handle? Underscore Mike Tui. Instagram. Instagram rules the world. Okay. Unders- underscore Mike Tui. All right. Follow me at Dennis Rooney 7 on Instagram, on Twitter, friend me on Facebook, all that. Like, rate, and subscribe to uh, Netflix Book Club on iTunes. Uh, Steven? Uh, yeah, I'm going to plug. Uh, I got uh, a friend who I'm working with on an app uh, that does vertical, like really high quality vertical video stuff, like shows and different stuff like that, called Vert, V R T. Uh, it's on the App Store. Uh, you can download it and then sign up there. It's, uh, it's like invite only right now, but you can sign up for it. So. There you go. Everybody, this has been Netflix Book Club, Episode 77, Unicorn Store. Everybody say goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.